0: How's everybody this afternoon? It's great to be together, amen? Amen. And uh, as we think of this time of year, there's so many things trying to get our attention, right? Sales, deals, emotions, feelings, you know, Light FM, nothing but Christmas songs and everything else under the sun. They're all trying to get our attention. And some things are a spiritual attraction, some things are trying to get you to feel like you've got to do something for somebody else and give out gifts and all this. And we do want to show our love and care and concern. But there's a lot of things calling for our attention this time of year, right? Well, I was thinking about it in terms of the voices that we listen to. And I, I encourage you guys, at times, take time to just listen to the Bible being read. Because I was listening to it being read, and I was actually listening to the way Jesus was talking to people and the way they were responding to him. And it's how he responded to the voices and the way that people responded to his voice. I was just contemplating on it because there's a lot of things trying to get our attention, and yet there are some of the most important things that we have to give our attention to. Amen? Yeah. In fact, if you think about if you could throw that first slide up there, um, first little uh, blurb with the different quotes, there's some iconic voices. You guys know James Earl Jones? Yeah. What's one of the most famous roles that he played? Darth Vader. Do you know the most often misquoted thing is when he says you guys think he says, Luke, I am your father. It's actually no, I am your father. But you can think of James Earl Jones' voice in your head even right now. It's an iconic voice. I think of Liam Neeson in the the movie Taken. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. That just you just know that's Liam Neeson, and he's going to take you apart. And you're done for. You just give up the daughter now. You, you just, you think of Morgan Freeman. You guys can all, right now, you can imagine Morgan Freeman's voice in your head, right? You could hear him anywhere commenting on any wildlife or any, anything. He does all those nature things, right? You think of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Stick around. I lied. I'll be back. There's just these voices that play out in your head, and you can't get them out of your head. I'm sorry if you've got these voices in your head all afternoon. It's just because that's how they are just part of our, our mind, part of our culture. I want to talk today about the way certain people responded to what Jesus had to say. But first of all, I want us to think about our priorities. And sometimes we feel so frantically busy, and we've filled ourselves up, but we want to consider what have we filled ourselves up with. With? Because we are busy, but what have we filled ourselves up with? So, if we could play this little clip, just three minutes. I picked this one because of the chocolate milk because my wife loves chocolate. And there's always room for chocolate milk. But, you see, with the very many things that are calling for our attention, we do have to set our priorities. And as followers of Christ, one of the golf balls is our relationship with God, right? And sometimes we do fill our lives up, but we fill it up with the sand. And it does fill up our time, but it doesn't fulfill us. It doesn't really meet our needs. It just makes us feel very harassed, very helpless, very beleaguered. And sometimes we think, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. You're like, whoa, whoa. if I'm too busy to take time to be with God, then I'm letting Satan have the victory. And we're, 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 we're misprioritizing the most important things. You know, We need to keep our ears attentive to the things that bring us closer to God and not despair and discouragement, right? We need to be an advocate. Sometimes in our prayers, our speech, we need to advocate for people and speak reason to them and go to God on their behalf and intercede for them. Jesus saw this all as spiritual. We know there was one time when he had a huge interaction of temptation from Satan, right? But the Scripture says, Satan left him until a more opportune time. So was that his only time of temptation? No. We know even in the Garden of Gethsemane, at the very night before he died, there was a battle there of, of will, of submission, where he was, I'm going to do God's will, but this is hard, right? You see, for us, we need to understand that all of the things that are going on around us are spiritual. And we have to set our priorities and make sure that we're putting the golf ball things into our life first and not filling ourselves up on the mundane munacia that don't really matter in the biggest picture of things. Amen? Amen. Now, I want us to look and understand, you know, John came talking about Jesus coming. Because Jesus is, is coming next Sunday, right? That's what we're all celebrating. And it isn't just about the birth of Jesus. It's about the way that he lived his life, Right? So in John chapter 1 in verse 23, John told us how to prepare for Jesus. In John 1 verse 23, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. So, should we make it a complicated way for Jesus in our lives? No, we should just let him right in. right? We should make it easy. But see, we're trying to be sidetracked, and our response to what Jesus is bringing is part of our decision too, right? We have to set our minds. I want to make it easy for Jesus. I want him to be able to have an impact on my life. And when John came, he just wanted us, let's be ready. Let's make it easy for Jesus to get into our lives. Let's make it easy for him to, to have an impact on the way we are. Amen? Amen. A, but we, we, First and foremost, we've got to make time for him. We have to be letting him into our lives, into our minds, into our hearts, into our prayers, into our, into our just being. We need to be mindful of all these things. And sometimes Jesus' voice can come when we are least expecting it. Look in John chapter 4. We know this story, but I want you to think about this. What do you think was on the woman's mind when this day started? Jesus' voice can come when we're least expecting it. Now he had, in verse 4 now he had to go through Samaria so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his father uh, to his son Joseph Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey sat down by the well it was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water Jesus said to her will you give me a drink so did she come there looking for Jesus no no What did she come there to get? Yeah, she was about her business, right? Jesus can come into your life at the unexpected moments. He asked for a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. If you're a Christian today and you contemplate on this, you know the renewing of your spirit that you've been given in Christ. Amen? The grace that's been poured out upon you, it's regenerated. That's just the change that's been in your heart. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to get water. So she came for water, but all of a sudden, what is she willing to start thinking about? Spiritual things. Jesus came into her life in an unexpected way. He said to her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. I think she was a little convicted there. (laughs) Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped in this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Amen? Look where we are. Are we on that mountain or in Jerusalem? We worship where we are right here. Amen? It says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Now skip down to verse 39. We're not going to look at the interaction with the disciples. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Was the woman looking out for Jesus when she came to that well? No. No. Okay? She was just about to get some water, right? And at first, she was sort of like bantering back and forth with him, right? If you look there in verse 7, it says um, that she's all... uh, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, she was just about getting some water for herself, right? She wasn't at all thinking about, I'm going to meet Jesus today. There's some dude sitting down beside the well, and he asked for water. And she's like, why are you asking me for water, right? Think about it. Even what could have been her motives in saying, I don't have a husband, you know? Jesus was probably handsome and rugged and confident. She might have been attracted to Jesus. I think most of us would like to have Jesus as our brother. I think a lot of, uh, you know, a relation, when we think about our relationship with God, there's times we think of Jesus like a brother, like a father. You know, there's just the components of Jesus that are just attractive about him as a person. So and I think a lot of times we can have an emotional connection. So she might have been, emo- been interested. Like, I don't have a husband, you know. Uh, when I first came to church, I wasn't looking for Jesus. The sister that invited me was nice. And she was friendly. And she worked in my lab. And she said, why don't you come to church? God had another purpose, amen? But I was not looking for Jesus when I came to church. That was, I was looking to get to know that sister. I didn't know she was a sister. I, I just, that was what I was. So, you know, why am I telling you this? See, Jesus got into her life and convicted her. And did she accept the conviction? Yes. Because what did she do when she went back to her people? She talked about Jesus. She embraced the change. See, for us, he could come into our lives in unexpected ways, and if we're just embracing it, it's going to become part of our conversation. He went, she went back and shared about this amazing guy who knew everything she ever did. And yet she wasn't embarrassed, was she? She was like, I'm changing. I'm, I'm embracing this. You know, she retold what she was told. She got others to go to him. The proof is in verse 40. And, you know, Jesus will listen to what you ask him to do. Because look here in verse 40. You know, he was on his way through Samaria, right? Was he planning to stop? He just was tired, right? And they went to get food. But look what happens in verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, because remember she went to the village and told them all everything, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know what this man really is, the Savior of the world. You know what? Jesus will listen. When you ask him, I want you to stay around me, Jesus is like, I'll stop what I'm doing for two days and stay around you. See, in ourselves, when we're thinking about our relationship with him, if we're not feeling connected to him, And we just pray, God, Jesus, I just need help. I need some insight. I need some inspiration. I need some connection to you. I need something beyond just my, you know, mental understanding of what I'm doing. Do you you understand what I'm saying? It needs to go beyond just, oh, I know this and I know that and I've done this and I've done that. We need to feel connected. These guys felt connected enough. I wanted you to spend two extra days. And what did Jesus do? He spent that time with them. And changed the lives of all of these people. They asked him to stay, teach him some more, and he did. He's always ready to make a new friend, right? Jesus will, will answer your prayers. If You ask him for this kind of help, he will be there for you. He'll, get, he'll make it obvious and connect with you. But you've got to ask. If you don't ask, then it, it doesn't connect like that. Because we've got to communicate what's on our hearts so that we make sure that we're really getting in touch with what, what Jesus can do for us. Amen. Amen. The second thing here is Jesus will change your life and your destiny if you want to. In Mark chapter 5, I want you to... But as we're reading it, I want you to pay attention to the central characters besides Jesus. It's a story we've read, but it's another interaction where Jesus has with people and what's the outcome. Mark chapter 5 in verse 1. They went to the lake, to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat... A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Different from the woman, right? He recognized who Jesus was. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? We are legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. When he gave them permission, the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When the people came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus got into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus said, did not let him go, but said, go to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away, and he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Sometimes we look at the guy, Legion, and we don't feel like we could relate to him. But I feel like I could relate to him. Before I became a Christian, I was a slave to my sins. I would have sinned. It's just, I, I, think, I don't know what my life would be like if I hadn't become a Christian and I continued down the path that I was on. Because the the year that God was exposing me to Christianity and the church was also the year I was becoming vice president of my fraternity, and I became I I became a Christian as I was vice president of my fraternity. So it was this battle between light and fraternities do some good, but they do a lot of crazy stuff. I gotta be honest with you, it's very worldly, it's very well, most of it's very worldly, and the goal is to be more worldly than the last thing you did. So and it, in other words, there's a, and if I, I if I'd gone down that, I might be. President of Zeta Psi, alumni of Columbia, you know, because I, I was vice president. You know, that, that's a, you're on a leadership track, right? I'm on a leadership track for something that I really am glad I got out of, and I could have been get, becoming a Christian. I had a choice. You see, there are things that are vying for us. And this guy here, he was unhappy with his situation. Now I can look back and realize, man, the drunkenness, the lust, the impurity, the anger, the pride, that was all just consuming me. And it was going to eat me up, chew me up, and spit me out. I'm so glad to have been able to escape it. Amen? Those of us who made that decision to be a Christian, the sin you left behind, you don't look at it like, man, I wish I could do that again. You look at it like, man, I am so glad I've escaped it. Now, at the time when you're faced with your sin and Jesus and the cross and everything, you do feel like this guy. You want Jesus, but you're scared, right? Because it's a battle there's a there's a real you know real tense co- conflict going on inside of you i i can think of myself as him i was afraid what jesus would want to do with me but now i'm so happy this guy recognized jesus and ran towards him see the the woman at the well she had a chance encounter with the son of god some of us are going to have chance encounters and we need to embrace them some of us know that we need to change and we're like the demoniac Running towards Jesus, but scared at the same time. We can't let the fear win. We need to let the reality that Jesus can change any situation. He took this woman with no a husband, five other husbands. He took this man, the legion of demons, and changed both of their lives in amazing ways. This guy, how could you tell he loved it? He went out and told ten different cities all about what Jesus said. The scary thing is the second group of people in that story, what was their reaction to what had happened to the demoniac? Fear. And you know what? Jesus listened to them too. Because what did he do? He left. They asked for him to leave, and he said, fine. Jesus will listen to what you tell him. He cares. He will never stop caring. He will always create opportunities. But if you tell him thanks but no thanks, he's not going to twist your arm. He gave us free will. He's hoping that his love and service and sacrifice will bend our hearts towards him and submission to what he thinks is our best life to have. Amen? But we have to decide what we're going to do. Jesus will listen to you if you ask him to stay. He'll listen to you if you ask him to go. He's going to respect you. Otherwise, he could have just programmed us. At 17, You will say, I want to be baptized, and I want to be a Christian, and I'm going to do it. You know, But that's not how he made us. He made us with free will. He made us with the ability to turn our will over to him and to trust that living inside of his kingdom, in his righteousness, in his pasture, in his word, in his church, in his fellowship, is the life that's going to really change you and let you have the life that you're supposed to have in Christ. Amen? Amen. See, they could have been amazed at the transformation of the demoniac, right? They could have been ecstatic. They could have been overwhelmed. Instead, they were afraid. Now, for me, there was a time I told Jesus, thanks but no thanks. People had stopped studying the Bible with me. I, they just didn't know what to do with me anymore. I was coming to Bible talks, and i come to church occasionally. The God put me in the life. I had, the Bible talk was in my apartment. So I invited them to have the Bible talk in my apartment. I think God was just saying, I'm going to give you a second, third, fourth, fifth, and infinite number of chances to make the right decisions. Because finally, I was like the demoniac. I went to, to the brothers, and I said, I don't know. I know I'm lost. I know I need help. I didn't offer up any pretenses anymore. I said I'm 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 not right with God. I need to know how to become a Christian. I, I just turned myself in. Sometimes you've had to admit that in the middle of a Bible study. I had to go and initiate that conversation myself. And because like, they'd stop reaching out to me, I just knew that I needed help. See why am I saying that? You know he, they they respected the fact that I didn't really want to embrace what they were teaching me, and I kept coming around. Thank God. But he respected me in that respect. But he continued to offer me chances. So here today, if you ask him to draw near to you, he's going to draw near to you. If you say thanks but no thanks, he's going to respect that too. But that's a sad outcome, isn't it? You know, Jesus didn't argue with either of these people. When they said stay with us two days, he stayed two days. When they said leave us, he got in the boat and he left. You know? Think about what, you know, but the people that were helped by Jesus. What did they become? They became little Jesuses, Right? She got the whole village to come out and meet Jesus, right? He went through the Decapolis and told everybody, come out and this amazing man who changed my life and changed my heart. See, in us, our lives have been changed. We need to be like, I want to be little Jesus's. You know what I'm saying? I want to represent Christ. Even this morning, Sean and I, we got some great refreshments for Tuesday night. It's going to be awesome. But we're rushing through to Costco, Sean and I, and we're meeting all these kinds of people. you got two carts full of food of various kinds of really sumptuous stuff. Um, I'm hungry right now. But the woman at the cashier, she goes, what party are you having? I said, well, Sean and I, we go to this really great church, and we're having a service here Tuesday night. And she's like, I'm looking for a church. And she wants to come to church with us. And she gave me her number, and I gave the number to Andy already. We need to be these little Jesuses. We need to be like seizing the opportunities to let our light shine and offer opportunities to people to get what we've got. understand what I'm saying? And the last thing in Acts chapter 8 is no matter what, the word of God is good. No matter what, the word of God is good. In Acts chapter 8 in verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria where he proclaimed the Messiah there, being a little Jesus. Amen? When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Now, if you think of what the agenda on the calendar for these Christians was, do you think there was one, suffer a persecution and scattering? Was that on their agenda? Was that like, tick, that happened? Was that part of the plan? Yeah. But it happened. But did they roll up into a ball and stop believing that what they had embraced was true? No, because God doesn't promise us a rose garden. There's a song, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden, where he promises us a home in heaven, right? And if the, if the Savior died the way that he did, why should we expect there to be no problems in our life? And even when these guys were scattered It says, they preached the word wherever they went. You see, for us, we need to be able to understand, no matter what, the word of God is good. If good things are going on, if bad things are going on, we still need to be like, man, I just want to help people become Christians. Because even if the worst things happen and a Christian dies, what's the outcome? We get to go to heaven. Come on! Sometimes we think, I've had a very good, terrible, bad day. And we, like, get stuck in that instead of realizing, man, I'm saved. I'm right with God. The worst thing could happen, and I go to heaven. Now, I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. But we're not promised everything good happening to everybody. And then no matter what, the word of God was good. They, they, they went on and made great things happen. They still wanted to share the good news. You know, that's Jesus how he hopes that what we've been given will continue to live out our lives as Christians. So there's a few questions that I want us to, to ponder. Have we been seizing the random opportunities to draw near to Jesus like the Samaritan woman? You know, are we plagued with problems that make us fearful like Jesus? But we know that like Legion, rather, but we know that Jesus is the solution. Some of us, we, we even sin has gotten into our lives. Some of us as Christians, sin has gotten into our lives and we're caught up in it, and we can't get out of it until we get open about it. Just like he ran forward and got help. Some of us here, we're in church, we know we're not yet a Christian, and we want to get escaping from it. We, if, if, Legion, if that describes us, Jesus has the solution, but we've got to come forward and get help. You know? Will we ask Jesus to spend more time with us like the Samaritans in the village? Ask, pray. If you're not feeling connected to him, pray about it. You know, okay, show me amazing things in your word. Inspire me by what I see around me. Pray these prayers. Don't just like, oh, this is just how it is. No, that's not how it is. We're supposed to be a wellspring up to eternal life. Amen? Amen. Are we we afraid of the consequences and costs? Like the guys who asked him to go away? uh, Will we ask Jesus to get away from us? You know? I hope not. But you know what, though? He respects us enough to give us the choice. And we see that he will in the same spirit, respect our wishes. I pray today that everybody in here says, man, I want more Jesus. I want to be closer to him. I want to be better connected to him. I pray nobody's like, man, later for this. This is too hard. But Jesus does respect our wishes, and he'll draw near to us if we ask him to, or he'll leave us alone if we ask him to. I just pray to men and women in here that we will draw near to him and beg him the same way to draw near to us. Amen. I just think this is a great thing to think about. I hope it really met some needs in you, and it's something that just jumped off the page at me as I was listening to the the scriptures being read. uh, You know, and it just—it was something I really felt like was important. How are we responding to the voice of Jesus in our lives? Amen. Amen. Thank you.